I've been told they don't need the hat today. <laughs> so I'm going to remove it. You like it? Yeah, that's all right. You can see the back of my aging head for a moment. Um, um, hi, everyone. I'm Ross. I go to this church. <laughs> I've been here for a while. I've been here for a while now. Um, and it's, a, it's lovely to be able to bring a word to you this morning. Um, it's a beautiful day, this holiest of days, Bathurst Day. Um, as the pure of heart among us journey to the sacred mountain and listen to the lions roar all day up there in the high place. Um, wearing my team colours here. What's that? <laughs> um, I think if I, um, as Stephen O'Day asked me for the name of my message, um, which I haven't really, really named, but I guess I could call it um, Limiting God. I've long um, meditated on the, the sentence or the thought um, of we get what we believe. I've long thought about that. Um, somebody said it to me and I've spent many years trying to figure out uh, how true it might be. I, I think it's partly true, um, but I've also found that there's a lot more to it when we focus on something for a long time then we often see the nuances and the intricacies of it. Um, the, the truth is that uh, our experience of Jesus is actually often limited by the limits that we put on him, actually. It's a, it's a, bit, of a, it's a bit of a painful truth, but it's also a really, really hopeful one as well. And um, I, th- I hope this morning to take down some of the barriers, some of those barriers to that. Um, how does that happen? I think most of the limits that we put on Jesus happen unconsciously, subconsciously, um, over time without us kind of realising. There are plenty, I think we're all aware as we walk with Christ, there are plenty of things that can sneak up on us and need to be, well, an unexamined heart um, drifts um, to some interesting places. Uh, sometimes we put the limits on intentionally in terms of like you know there's times when we harden our heart when 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 we we throw up a wall in response to something and it's kind of a wrong wall um or we've had a a messy experience and then we throw something up there to go i'm not well i'm not going there i'm not ever going to do what they are going to do and of course a a train load of uh, of, of of these influences can come are dumped on us often by our context, our life, um, uh, the shape of our life, uh, uh, our family, our, our friends, um, our work, uh, the responses we've made over time, the environment, the town, the country that we live in, um, even at times the church we go to or the dominant denomination we find ourselves a part of. Um, these can all contribute um, towards this limiting of God and I think and I sort of thought it, if, if Jesus was going to teach on this very thing I imagine that if he started a parable about this he would probably could possibly begin with the, these kind of words one day a man was boarded up inside his house by his past yeah? or boarded up inside his house by his community or one day a man was boarded up inside his house you know by the example of his religious leaders yeah um 
But this morning, I'm not looking to fix any blame or any judgment on anybody at all. This is all about freedom. Matter of fact, I just want to try and help us find Jesus better. This is what we all need to do. There's no effort towards that that is ever, ever wasted. Um, because even, even though Jesus has been heavily vandalized by the world and by religion, um, He's still very much alive and still very, very much himself. Um, he's still the same beautiful rebel. He's still an outlaw. You know, we would still pursue him. Um, he still has the same personality. Uh, he's the same guy, you know, the same guy who would morbidly quite fascinate us, but we'd also be quite... Awkward. Um, oh God, he said that. Ah, oh, he challenged them. You know, we would we would still find it that way. If he was here in our midst, we would be, we would want to be with him. We'd be happy to be fed by him. You know, in a crowd. But we would also find ourselves in the crowd that killed him. It's it's not pleasant to think of that. But we would. It was the religious who put him to death, after all. And that's not what we're pursuing, religion. But it does require a bit of removing of debris and rubble these days after this much time you know, in order for us to find some of these things. Yeah. So what, what, I, what I've noticed is that um, there's actually... There's often a really, really big disconnect, a massive distance too often, and I see this in myself. Please, This is not to judge anybody. I see these things in myself more clearly than I see them in anybody else. But I do come across them again and again and again because now at this age and this long working with Jesus, I've listened to thousands of stories and encountered thousands and thousands of believers. Um, And I've noticed there's often this incredible distance between what people will agree with, "Mm, yes, great, amen, and what they believe, with what they will ascribe to, Thumbs up to that. And um, what they will do, especially in crunch time. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I want to dig uh, for a little bit. Not because this is a difficult idea to understand. It's not difficult at all. But it's good for us to get a sense of the breadth with which this can happen in our lives. But also, um, you know, you might kind of think, oh, I don't think that's relevant for me. But uh, I think I'm hoping, as I track through a few of these different things, you kind of go, "Oh, yeah, that." You know, it kind of it points to some, I hadn't seen that till um, someone articulated it. Um, I think it's there's many things that contribute to this disconnect. Wounding is a big one. I find a wounded heart will misinterpret things like nothing else. Or the wounded parts of our soul, the wounded parts of ourselves, will often misinterpret things terribly and horribly. Um, other times it's bad teaching, for example, um, just, just the people around us. And then, and this is, this is one that I've fallen into a few too many times, we've, we've just figured stuff out on our own and got it wrong. Well, not wrong, just a bit bent. A little twist in it, slightly askew, yeah? So, removing the rubble, removing the debris that's piled in the way so that we can experience Jesus and share our lives with him. 
So in terms of removing the... Here's, here's some examples. Um, so if you believe, for whatever reason, um, that Jesus doesn't speak to you, it's going to be really hard to hear him speaking to you. It's really simple. Or to believe him when he does. Um, and for the very same reasons, if you hold in your heart that Jesus eh, doesn't really love me, it's going to be awfully hard to experience the love of Jesus. There are so many things that we agree with. In fact, we happily sing many of them. Just, just now we were singing, you know, Jesus, you are my everything. That's, that's a biggie. I'm, I'm going to come to that a little later. But that's massive. That's really, really easy to sing. <laughs> you ever tried that? <laughs> that's a wild ride, you know. Um, we believe, we're happy to sing, we believe. We sing and we will proclaim and say, yeah, God always provides for me. Um, but I often encounter in the stories, in the detail, in the everyday conversations, a weariness that betrays a belief that life is a battle and always will be. And we believe that he can heal. Absolutely. Amen. Hallelujah, brother. We, we can easily spout. Um, but if we're honest, there's been too many times where we've, or we've given up trying to pray for people's healing. Uh, it doesn't seem to really do it very much. I hear about it here and there and that. Okay, so there's, here's this disconnect. And I'm sure he's coming back again. Woo, bring it on. <laughs> but then when it comes down to it, I find traces of, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, it doesn't, it, I find very few people where that belief um, kind of shapes their lives. Eternal life is a cracker. That's a big one, I find. Great. We've got eternal life. The reality is we've all got it and we know that. Often without a doubt. But here we are, busy storing up stuff. Yeah? Here and now, down here, getting the most out of this time, making it work for us, squeezing everything we can out of life. The very, the very phrase, bucket list, betrays that we think that's, this is it. You know, and we're living like we're going to get everything out of this like there is no tomorrow. Yeah, and, um, and actually I find we're still very apprehensive and probably if we had admitted in those cold times we, we're still quite terrified of death. Um, actually I think not, very few of us have any real comprehension of what eternal life might even look like. I mean is it just 10,000 years of singing? You know, once when I was a young Christian, that was heaven. We're just going to sing these songs oh God, for 10,000 years. You know, it's like, oh, that that's, looks like hell. <laughs> you know, um, we're just going to sing on and on and on and on. And yet, have you ever imagined? No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Nobody knows what the Father has planned you know, have you ever tried to imagine 
what eternal life might look like. We are, we perish because we have very, very limited uh, um, kind of vision or, 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 or dreams of what eternal life might actually look like. I mean, when Jesus says, I make all things new, have you ever tried to imagine what that might look like? That's homework. Do that somewhere out there. Some people are not of me. They have put in the time to imagine what it would look like. And when he says, I'm making a new heaven and a new earth, what could that look like? What would that look like? You know, it, 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 it's, it's really, really staggering to start to imagine what that might look like. I think our modern effects-driven movies as they create new worlds and universes and planets and things like that, they're not even close. We've dreamt them up. They're the makings of us. And uh, you, you hear it said, and I think it's true, you can't out-dream God, um, can't out-imagine God. And I think it will be wonderful and yet sort of the same. You know, so familiar. Imagine this earth completely new. Yeah, it's beautiful. Another one, God is good all the time. Amen with an American accent, you know. And yet how easily a heart falls into focus and centers on the problems, um, the mountains, the difficulties in the situation. And I have found my inner voice saying there is no way that I'm going to be able to handle this. I haven't got a chance. I just find myself starting to fold and collapse. How am I even going to find any good in this? My wife knows this this script in my in our conversations only too well. Yeah, not a chance. And I, and I, look, I I know that this is all. Sometimes this is part of a transition from us contending, which is that which is just driven through the front of our house, metaphorically speaking, you know. Some of these things are big and boom, they hit us. And they're kind of meant to, you know, because there's a, there's a big thing to, to begin. Here is something massive that I have never, ever contended with before. And, it's, and, and, and I, you don't want to say it, but I think God is there going, in a way, good. Because we're actually going to, not that he blesses that or brings that, but he kind of goes... Now we're going to have a very different conversation. Very different conversation. Now we're going to get down to real things. Um, uh, I've, got, I've got just a couple more and then I'm going to flip it on its head. But what, what about those times when we dare God? You know? Oh, reveal yourself. If you're real, reveal yourself. You know, if you want me to go to Africa, would a truck go by with the words, go to Africa, scrawled in the dirt on the tailgate? You know, or it, just the word Africa. Or go, or something, and all that goes past is a perfectly clean Krispy Kreme donuts truck to reference Andrew's message from last week. You know, baked fresh. And, and it's just... Oh. Um, so the point of agreement in that is that God can talk through anything. God can talk through anything. There's the donkey in the Bible that's eternally there for us to remember that. He can talk through anything. That's the point of agreement, but our belief is or can become over time. Ah, there's another. Eh, doesn't talk to me that much, really. 
in fact. Um, he keeps those kind of messages for the really significant people in the kingdom, those who are properly at the front line, those who might actually need it. And we can start to subscribe to that, to that belief. Um, so I just now I want to just sort of flip this on its head a little bit um, and reverse it around. And have you ever noticed that the people who believe that God orders their day sorts it all out, interweaves their rest and their work beautifully, actually have these beautiful, surprisingly balanced lives, you know, that can turn us a little green with envy. Um, like a mastermind is behind it all. And then we've all met those that have somehow finally, truly and deeply believed that God is their truest father. And surprise, surprise, there they are, beautifully fathered, really deeply aware of God's love and how precious they are. You know, and you just kind of, mm, I want that. You look at it and I want that. Look, I, I, see it, I see it in our marriage. There are a whole bunch of things that Ali believes that she believed before we met you know that i didn't or don't you know um but through her unshakable beliefs um i've either come a few steps along closer to actually believing some of the things that she believes or fully embraced the truth of some of the things that she believes and it works around the other way too there were things that were really built in beliefs that were already completely built into me before we met that have influenced her you know suspiciously at first you know but then we kind of go oh you get to watch it you get to watch somebody else's beliefs and you go wow they really really believe that i i i i need to think that through i need to not shoot that down you know and just a heads up that's that's church that's what we're doing here we that's why we gather yeah, because every single one of us has got things inside us that we believe. They, we are completely convinced. We have them, you know. And it's just like an orchestra where you've got all these different instruments. Every one of them makes a different sound, runs to different music, is played in a different way, takes a different skill. But when they play together, here is this beautiful organism of sound. Yeah. This is the mystery and the wonder of what it means to be church and be together and gather together. And then we pick up from each other. Like, my gosh, Sally believes that. I see it again and again and again. It's like, I've got I to gotta give that some credit. I want to find out, you know, our heart grows towards that curiosity. It's like, I don't know how she got there. And this willingness to admit, I think, um, that maybe we haven't got that, I think, is a very beautiful posture to put ourselves in trusting god is a, is another one i had a there's an old saint at a previous church i just remember her first name was joan but she she was convinced she knew after many 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 years of walking with with god that everything to her everything that god brought across our path particularly the tough things was all about, she said, central to everything that comes across your toes and through your front door, God is wanting to develop trust. That's what everything is. That's what she was convinced of. I heard it, 
I agreed with it, but I didn't have it. I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't tested it. I hadn't run with it. I hadn't tried it here and tried it there and tried it there and, and, and reflected that story off it and that story and that story. Okay, but now I'm a lot closer. I'm like 80% along, you know. Maybe when I'm her age, I'll know that, like I know that, like I know that, you know. Um, and he, here's, here's a real biggie. Because um, I've had the beautiful opportunity over many years to pray with people and to be part of prayer ministry to people. And that's where you see, <sighs> that's where in grace and in love, you, a per individual, share some of the darkest admissions of their heart. And one of the one of the things that um that I that I come across a lot, and that I've did struggle with for a very, very long time, is actually believing our sin is forgiven. I know it sounds so flippin' basic. You know, we are the forgiveness people. That's what this is all about. You could replace the word cross with forgiveness. That's what that deal was about. But the, the amount of people that I still meet who don't beat themselves up after they sin or when they sin is epidemic. You know, a lot of people are so harsh on themselves. And, and this, this betrays this belief of when, when, when Jesus says when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them and remember them no more, means when we go from this life into the next, when there's the great feast of the Lamb, when all stories are known, when everything is shared and all the beauty is laid out, there is no evidence of this stuff. It is not remembered. It is not brought up and played on a big screen for everyone to look sideways at you. It is not there. It's not part of the equation. That's my understanding of it. Uh, and the amount of people that drift on in shame, important word, for days, weeks, months, years, decades, um, because they have not fully believed or grasped or found this is startling. Setting people free from it, and you don't do it in any sense of judgment, but sometimes we aren't even aware that that's where we're cycling and stuck and looped. You know, and that beautiful privilege of finding, helping them find release, seeing that there's this cycle of shame that's just keeping them held there, and then you just, simple words, they agree with it, poof, they're free. And that's why you walk away lighter, you know, because there is not death and condemnation and accusation and shame and all that crap sitting on you. You're following me, hey? We've got this. It's not a difficult idea. Um, unfortunately, my job, I'm a truck driver, I meet a lot of really weary, weather-beaten people um, who don't have very beautiful lives or hearts or relationships. It's hard. It's hard. Um, and you don't have to listen to them for very long uh, to know that they know that the universe is against them. And now it's just up to them to figure it all out themselves. Yeah. Um, their life will continue until they die to be an uphill, meaningless battle which they doubt they can ever win. It's there, and it's not even hidden. 
It's there in their words. Um, this is a person who believes, believes. They're alone in this fight. Uh, they are a person who does not believe that life can be refound, reinvented, rescued, restored or reclaimed. Yeah? It's, this is it. Till I die. And they are a miserable creature. Um, and so, and I think this is, this, is, this is the tragedy of it all, they mostly get what they believe. And, it, and, it, it, and you kind of, I've always, I've, that's been the part of thinking about this, like, Father, why do you leave us getting what we believe? Why, why do you leave us there, you know? And I, I'm still unpacking that mystery. I think it's partly so that we eventually prove to ourselves that this, this doesn't work. Yeah? People call the, the 40s, your, 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 your 40, 40s and 50s, you know, we use the term midlife crisis. I think it's because at, by that point, there's so many things that we set up when we were teenagers or young adults, a whole bunch of responses, how we respond to rejection, how we respond to harsh words, how we respond to compliments, that we set up when we were very young and we've just run with that all this time. It's become part of our personality. But I think in your 40s and your 50s, you start to run into the fact that they don't work anymore. And this is the crisis. It's a good crisis because you've got to sweep all that out and find something different. Uh, some people find it in a sports car. <laughs> oh, what a fickle place to find yourself. The beauty is that God doesn't leave, God does not want to leave us there. But like it's, it's parenting, you know, there are things that we have to leave our children to walk out. We just do. And they've got to find the end of that road, the pain of it, the disappointment in it, the folly in it. And then they get hungry for something different. And then we usually have an in. God is our father and he's just doing the same with us. He respects the fact that we're not robots and that we have a free, we, we have freedom of choice. It's a beautiful thing. So a shift of feet here. Um, all of us have things that we half believe, partially believe. 20% along, 80% along, somewhere else in the middle. Um, things that we... I, and I, I think that if you examine your longing, take note of the things you long for in your heart. They're usually the things that we partially believe can be. They're not complete. We're still longing for them. Um, like I long that my hands would just bring healing. You know, I long for that. I'd love, I'd love to, to know that, um, to believe that. Um, I, I'd long for my shadow to fall over somebody in their head. How cool would that be? How beautiful! Yeah. Um, I long to speak and see a storm change direction. And there are people among us that have done that. 
and seen that, seen weather affected by our words and gone, whoa, wow, okay, huh, look at that, you know. Um, I long to have a deeper, deeper, more realistic sense of what's actually going on in heaven, in the unseen realms. Right now, right now, there's a life going on in heaven, in the unseen places that many of us don't have much of a thought toward or an idea about. Um, Often when I lead worship, I try and choose a song that somehow walks into the throne room at the beginning because... It's, it, it seems to be a really great place to start with what is going on in God's house. What is he doing? What are they doing, the elders and the creatures? They're all still doing that now. And you wonder at that. Wow. Flat out. How? It's, 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 we quickly run out of words and we quickly run out of imagination. Um, I, I long that I could see evil on people and vanquish it for them just with a word um and i I long one day to finally feel no insecurity to be completely at home in the love of a being i've never met i've never seen him that's a wild ask that's a big thing to believe that you are incredibly loved by something that's invisible someone you've never met you know um, it's a stunning realisation but you mostly find Jesus pretty much as you expect to I'm just going to read this was my didn't want to go into and the gospel reading today is from the <laughs> the gospel according to Mark um it's, it's, it's Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Don't, don't, don't need to follow along. I'm just going to sort of... It's just after the transfiguration, right? All the glory, cool stuff that happened on the hill. And they all come down all glowing, etc. And a little confused and uh, not quite sure of what was that all about. Um, and they, they encounter a crowd, an arguing crowd, and they inquire why are they arguing, da-da-da-da-da. But eventually... Um, a boy is brought to Jesus um, who was um, possessed by a spirit. Yeah, they bring him over to Jesus. And um, so they brought him to him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy onto the ground into a convulsion. And he fell down and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And um, he answers from childhood. He is often, it often throws him towards fire or towards water to um, kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And that's a strange sentence that Jesus says here. He's like, if I can, you know, he kind of says to him, if you can, like, um, says Jesus and then he, he qualifies with everything is possible for one who believes he's kind of like going what do you mean if I can heal it and yet at the same time he's kind of honouring the man's if you can I mean the man has brought him to Jesus after all that is a step of belief that's 
10% or 2%, but that's still, you know, mustard seed moves hill. That's like a poofteenth of a percent, you know, that's nothing. Almost invisible moves a mountain. So him bringing his son to Jesus is still an act of belief. I believe that Jesus can do something. There's still a big if there, right? That's what I'm trying to highlight, the ifs between, yes, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed these well-known words, I too believe, but help me overcome my disbelief. That's, that's pay dirt here today, right? And immediately, oh, and when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit, said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the boy convulsed violently. The spirit came out and he fell on the ground. They thought he was dead, but Jesus grabbed his hand and picked him up and the lad was alive. It's really, really beautiful, yeah? So what I want to go after here today, and, and we are nearly finished. Um, it's really beautiful. I want, to, I want to go after some of these things that we partly believe and these things that we barely believe. Yeah. Um, but before we step up to these things, there's just something that we need to base, base all these things. And one of the things we can all comprehend on a deeper level is the Father heart of God. Yeah. He is profoundly this. Uh, he cannot change this about himself. Just like I mentioned if, well, recently in a community talk, how our parents, you know, we go to their place as they get older or right across their lives. They, they just stay the same mostly, you know. They, you go back and there's those things that irritate you about them, but then there's also those really beautiful, strong things about them that just stay the same. You know, you know the atmosphere that you're going to encounter when you go into their home. And there's something slightly disturbing about it because we're humans, but also something deeply grounding and really, really beautiful um, about that. He cannot change his nature. He is who he is. And when you look at what Jesus said, you know, highlighted there in John 5:19, everything I do points to the Father. It's all about the Father. Everything I do, <laughs> look that way, not at me. Look that way. It's all about him. Yeah? And when you look through the Bible, you see that God is portrayed as a great father. Not primarily a mother, not to diss mothers, but he's not portrayed as a mother, nor merely as the creator. There is this father thing, and it is something we all seem to have to need to contend with in our lives, in our story, interpreting, understanding our stories and our meaning on the earth, either the, the overbearance or the absence of a father, you know, or enjoy the closeness of our earthly fathers. Um, so whether you believe that about God being a father or not, in this setting, in this place, here right now, in this place where we have come to father, um, he wants to father us. Always. We have come to him here. And so that's a beautiful thing, that he delights in this. Where else would he want to be? Okay. And I think in ways that we are yet to fathom. And, and, and 
I just want to share a little bit of a story just before we kind of finish up. Um, I mentioned earlier this thing of uh, we saying about Jesus being our everything. Um, I reckon it was six, seven or eight years ago um, as myself and three beautiful friends came to the end of a long ministry with men, um, we knew it, the season was coming to an end and we kind of knew we were going to disappear back to our civilian lives uh, in a way that we weren't going to be on this mission anymore. Um, but what actually happened was we really almost didn't see each other at all. There was this massive vacuum in that place and my heart interpreted that as well I became convinced the wounded places in me became convinced that they did not want to know me anymore and in some ways in some ways that was partly true but in most of that was wrongly perceived right but my heart broke and for years after that I spent two three four years in massive massive confusion and heartbreak could not understand how these brothers I went to war with didn't even really want to know me. Partly my mess and my anger and my fury was driving them away, yes, right? But in that time, at that time, I, was, I had a job where I was driving a 1,000 k's a night. I'd drive either halfway to Sydney or Adelaide and, with my truck and swap it and come back. So a lot of time on my own, a lot of time to think, a lot of time with God, right? And through all that, I, I tried to organise for myself the healing of my heart, I tried to construct that and contrive that. And every single thing I tried, God thwarted. Ministry, counselling, conversations with these people, conversations with others, God just seemed to thwart and thwart and thwart again and again and again. And I, I just ended up in this place of turmoil. I'm like, what are you doing? And then he finally breaks through when I finished all my striving to say, I'm going to do this. I'm like, what? He's like, I want the credit for this. I'm going to do this. No one else is going to get it. You're not going to attribute it to a, a, a stream of healing. You're not going to attribute it to one individual. I want to do this. And I'm like, all right. It was a bit to comprehend sort of thing. And, and eventually I got to this place where I'm like is this even possible and then the whispers come a few weeks apart you know I've heard somebody say when we talk it's noise interrupted by silence when God talks it's silence interrupted by sound he doesn't always speak that often um, but when he does <laughs> worlds are created things are restored one word and um, he can say things without saying a word. An unction that just goes right to the middle of our hearts. And so he just said to me one night, he said, I want to be your everything. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. How can you even do that? You know, I'm just like, how's that even possible? How can you be... How can I get the input and the life from you that I get from my friends and my family and my job and my significance and my standing and the things I do and the things I dream, you know, and the things that... How can I get all that from you? And he, he didn't say anything. He just set out to prove that to me. And he did that. Uh, people, he did bring people in, um, but it was him bringing it in. 
And so many of them were completely unexpected and profoundly, you would not have guessed it, things, you know? There was something he did to me for two and a half years. Every night, I would stop at stall on my way to Adelaide and I would have a half hour sleep in my truck and then I would go over to McDonald's and stall every night, get a coffee and then walk every night for those two and a half years. In those 60 metres between McDonald's and my truck, I just burst, I just cried my eyes out. I would, I would look up at the sky, sorry, that was the thing. I would look up at the sky and in that 60 metre walk and fall apart. And I just cried. There was no reasoning to it. There was no understanding of what was going on. It just, without fail, every single night, broke my heart open and I cried and cried and cried and sobbed my way into that truck. And um, I don't know what that was about. What was he doing? That was him. You know, this is mysterious, strange stuff. And you just go, that wouldn't necessarily work for anyone. All right, try, park your truck there, go to sleep, get McDonald's, walk back, you'll cry. No, there's no formula uh, for anything of what happened, right? But he started to show me in a really, really profound way. There can be my everything. So I, I, I still get lonely and I still get a little lost and I still look to people. But he, he, he can turn me back into that place of just the strength and the beauty between him and me really easily now. Um, you know, the Americans have long said, you need a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You do. It, it's syrupy. And it's, it's cliche from them, but God, it is so on the money. It is really the center of it all, you know. Um, it's just packaged weirdly. Um, so, this is a journey. This is a journey we're on with Father. It's life. It begins and it ends and it's linear. It's a conveyor belt and it's going that way and we're on it time stops for no one um we're on our way there too um andrew can you just come up um under keys just run to the father gently um over all of this over everything um that i said god is intimately into the details of every part of our life can we just stand we just um Stand together. Our our Father is is a gentleman. He loves um, us to invite him. So, look, put out your hands, put up your hands, kneel. Whatever you want to do, just invite him. Whatever, Whatever posture opens your heart and your head to God, do just just do that. Stay where you are. You can come down the front. You can do whatever you like, but just open yourself to God. Invite Him in, because it's just really, really simple. As I've been talking, there have been things that you are aware of, like, oh my gosh, yeah, I've barely got that, but I want that so much more, or I'm doing well in that but I'd like to see the full fruit of that. And we're just going to simply and profoundly bring that to Jesus.
and invite Jesus into that. Yeah. So Jesus, you are the God of our hearts and you are the God of our stories and you know what we want and you know what we long for and so Jesus we give those things to you and we invite you into them not a list of ten just the top two or top four just invite him in Jesus I, I want my hands to heal I want, I want to sing I want my voice to sing over people and healed that simple nothing less nothing more Jesus those things just bring them to the Father run with them to him Father us Father us Father us you love to Father us <laughs> that's beautiful and that my brothers and sisters is as simple as it is there's nothing more you need to do than what you just did the father hears that welcomes knows that he is welcome into that place those places into those longings and he will now work on them. just give him time he will bring them in ways you will not recognize or see coming yeah amen to that do we agree for god to do that to agree for god to do that it's that simple it's beautiful yeah okay so that that's kind of the end of our time here together today oh we're gonna we're gonna do communion you got